This week's show is brought to you by Strike Kings, Kings of Bass TV. Tune into a new season of KOB TV on the Kings of Bass YouTube channel as Strike King Lose Pro Andy Montgomery kicks off season three with prep, practice, and performance from Major League Fishing's Bass Pro Tour Stage 1 on Lake D'Arbonne. Make sure and click that subscribe button and leave a comment on the video to be eligible to win a new Lose Pro SP baitcast reel, signature series Andy Montgomery skipping rod, and an assortment of striking baits and more. Thanks for listening to the Angler's Channel Insider Podcast. What's up, guys? CB here, another Angler's Channel Insider Podcast coming at you. A more normal show, in air quotes, coming up with me, David, and KG uh, this week coming to you. Going to talk to your National Professional Fishing League champ from Sandusky Bay, Mr. Scott Siller. NPFL is uh, back in their full force this year and a lot going on with them. So excited to have Scott on board to talk about a former policeman in Milwaukee, retired and uh, moved to uh, Lake Wells, Florida. If you want to hear me put my foot in my mouth, well, it's coming up here pretty quick. We'll also get into some you pick them stuff. We'll get into a few uh, news and notes along with the Bassmaster Northern Angler of the Year race for the Opens. And uh, they've got four more events left to go in the Opens. They're, they'll crown uh, 12 spots that will qualify for the elites. If I read that right, if I, yes, I, that's, that's good math. Bama math there. 12 spots will qualify for the elites for next season over the course of the next month and a half. So uh, stay tuned for that. A lot of good stuff coming to you. We'll announce the winner from our Angler of the Year uh, question last week and uh, and more. So if you want to check it out, keep listening. It's about to start right now. Welcome to the Angler's Channel Insider Podcast, presented by Sportsman's Warehouse, your fishing and outdoor store. This week's show is brought to you by Ranger Boats, still building legends one at a time. Now, here is your host, Chris Brown. Welcome in, folks. This week's Angler's Channel Insider Podcast. Excited to welcome in your most recent winner on the National Professional Fishing League, Mr. Scott Siller. Scott, how are you tonight? I'm doing good. Thanks. How are you guys? Oh, we're doing well. We're doing well. Let me ask you this. I'm looking at your bio, your profile on the uh, on the NPFL website, and what does a guy from Lake Wales, Florida, know about catching 66 pounds of smallmouth? Oh <laughs> uh, well, yeah, I live in Lake Wales, Florida now, but I'm I've been in I moved down there about two years ago, so I'm actually from. Milwaukee, Wisconsin. I've been up there for 25 years, and so I've, I've got a little history with the northern smallmouth, and I've been on Erie a couple times, so I did have some history there. Well, so well, yeah, when, uh, I didn't pull out my flipping stick and go up there and catch him. I can tell you that. Well, David, David's eyes just got really big because <laughs> he's from. Is it, is it Wisconsin, David? Is that what you call it now, Wisconsin? <laughs> we got winners coming. You know what? 
I can't help it. You know, it's, it's called, uh, I like to call it Wisconsin. Now. It's, it's yeah. like you found a long lost brother, David and Scott. I'm all of a sudden, I mean, wow. So, but, uh, he, he, he never lights up over, uh, over guests, but, uh, he did over you, Scott. That's, that's impressive. But so from Minnesota to, to what, what took you to Florida? Uh, I was a Milwaukee cop for 25 years. And when I was retiring in 2020, I wanted to find a nice warm place to live. And so I retired in Florida. It's one of the hottest places in the world, pretty much, right? I don't know, man. I'm in Aiken, South Carolina right now, and it's pretty warm here. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, it is. The humidity is a whole new level down here than what it is up in Minneapolis. So. Um, or Milwaukee, excuse me, Milwaukee. I get all my M's mixed up, David. I'm sorry. All the M's kind of get me. So, but 66 pounds, nine ounces to win the NPFL out of Sandusky. Um, that must've been a heck of a week last week for you. Yeah, it it, it was. David, where are you from? Uh, I live in West Dallas. When you said Milwaukee, I'm like, what? (laughs) Okay. Yeah. Yeah, West Dallas. Yeah, that's right there, man. That's cool. Do you fish up there then, or I'm sorry. No, go right ahead. Side track here. No, do you? Fi- uh, not not as much as I would like to. <laughs> I try to get out okay. Yeah. So yeah, I was I was a part of Bass Anglers Ltd. when I was up there for. I think I joined that club in ninety uh, seven, ninety eight, somewhere in there with. Uh, Roy Bragg, Mike McQuitty, um, Bill Parbs, all those guys, Tom Wheezy. I don't know if you know any of those guys or not, but no. Oh, okay. Yeah. All right. So yeah, we used to fish third bay quite a bit and, okay. um, that's, yeah, that's cool. We, we, we don't ever get anybody on here that, that, that knows where West Alice is for, for, uh, <laughs> I'm in Alabama. So, you know, I, I sure don't know where it is, but I know where Aiken, South Carolina <laughs> is. So I know where Lake Hills, right. Florida is. So I, I'm, I'm good there. But, um, so, so let's talk about this tournament. Uh, 26 pounds on day one. And, uh, dude, that's, if you're going to go out with a bang, that's the way to start, right? Oh yeah, it was nice. It was a definite good start to the tournament. It took a lot of weight off my shoulders after that. That's for sure. So I mean, six three was your big bass on, on day one. How many fish did you catch on day one? And, and kind of clue us into what you were fishing and, and, and how you were fishing it. Well, so when in practice on Sunday, we had practice Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, and Sunday I started practice up there and uh, found. I grabbed a whole slew of rock piles and rock veins, and there was a rock pile that I had caught a pretty good fish off of, and and then uh, a couple casts later, I caught another good one, and I left it alone. And the rest of the day, I caught, I don't know, maybe five or six more smallmouth that were two and a half pounders, and in that on that side of Pelee Island, and and that's pretty much what I had on day one. So day two and day three really never got much better. So really, all I had was that one rock pile that i wanted to start on and the guys i travel with i wasn't sure we all had conversations about it i didn't know if a limit was going to be impossible honestly it was just one of those deals it was really tough up there you weren't getting a lot of bites so you knew you had to get what you had in the boat so i started on that rock pile in the morning and and it wasn't that windy when i first got there and i put the spot lock on and i had four keepers on the first four casts they were all three and a half pounders and uh and then it was probably i don't know maybe about 
10 or 15 minutes later, I caught the fifth keeper, but I never took spot lock off. Spot lock off. And I just, man, I sat down and I was kind of, you know, I mean, it was just like, wow, man, I got like 17 and a half pounds. This is unbelievable. And I got all day to fish and I was at, in shock big time. And, uh, then I just kind of started working some other rock piles. I was idling over to another rock pile and I saw one on my side imaging that I didn't have marked and I flipped up and caught a, a five off of that. And then it just was one of those weird days, man. It just like, I called that whole limit out in probably an hour in three different rock piles and that was it man that was pretty much the day i didn't i didn't really want to fish much more so i did more graphing but i didn't know i had 26 pounds i just knew i had a really good bag and uh that's that's kind of how day one went i mean it was pretty incredible to be honest with you to have that happen with the limit and then call out every one of them um you know as a matter of fact the last one i had caught was probably pushing four and so when i had called out the first four fish I, I called the tournament director to ask him what time the scales opened up because I was just going to go in then. And he said they didn't open up until 2.30. So I figured, well, I got a couple hours to kill um, before I even go in and, you know, try to go in early. And so I, I flipped up on the rock pile I started on, like the very first cast up there, I caught another five and called that three and three and three quarter out. And so... It was, I knew at that point, I'm, I'm like, all right, well, it's a three-day tournament. I can't keep hammering these fish, and I've got about as big a bag as I've ever had in my life. So I was done. Well, what kind of, um, I mean, did you know there was a bunch of fish there? I mean, did you have, you know, like any four-facing sonar or anything, or did you just, I mean, they just kept biting? No, I did have, I, I had four, I had a, a live scope, and I also have 360, and okay. I pretty much, I, I feel like the 360 was really the most, critical piece of equipment um for the most part for what i was doing but uh the the, the live scope was nice to just see you know i mean it, it i i was i never really felt like the uh, whenever i'd go over some of those rock piles it, it was nice to see what side the fish were sitting on like where they were at what, what they were relating to but it if i felt like the bigger fish like some of those rock piles that have five or six fish on them when i drift over them but those were like the three and three and a half two and a half three three and a half pounders it, it, i felt like the isolated fish that were on the smaller boulders or in between the boulders were the the bigger fish so and that was something i kind of figured out as the days went on and that was nice having the time to kind of you know roam around out there a little bit but but yeah, so day one when I started heading in, I'm sure you guys heard the story as far as the breakdown I had. No. And clue us. Oh, in. okay. Clue us in. So I was coming back in. I was fishing up by Peely Island, and uh, I got past. I'm not sure what island it was called. It was kind of a smaller island, and I started hearing a noise out of my engine. So I, I um, came off a plane. I never shut down. I just came off a plane and. And as long as I was below 2000 RPMs, it was fine. And, but you know, I couldn't go very far and I had a long way to go. And, uh, so I called Dustin Williamson, who was a guy I travel with and, and he answered and I kind of explained to him that I had a pretty big bag and that, you know, I could use some help. And <laughs> I think, I think he had, I think he told me he had about 18 pounds and he still had a good couple, three hours to fish, but um, he was on the island. He was probably about 10 miles from me at the time. So he, he came over and um, scooped my fish up for me and took him in, which was nice to save that day. They, they said I could like 
you know, put my boat on shore, power pulled down. I guess the rule is you just can't let it drift around out there, but there was no way I could even get to an Island or anything. I was too far out in the middle of nowhere. So when he pulled up, I said, man, I'm just gonna have to let you take these in for me and I'll idle in. It's going to take me a few hours, but I'll get there eventually. And, uh, yeah. So when I took them out of the live, well, you know, the first fish I took, I, I had the big one on one side and I took the small ones out first. And when I pulled the first couple out, he's like, God, man, them things are giants. Are those your big ones? And I was like, no, they're all about the same. I got my big one on the other side. And so anyways, uh, he's like, man, he goes, you got to have 20, 25 pounds in there. And I said, I don't know. I think I got low twenties, but I'm not positive. I, my scale wasn't working. I put the big one on the scale and I knew it was over five. And I put it on the scale and it said two six. And I thought, well, I'm not even going to pull the scale out again. Cause it's not right. So, mm. um, but yeah, so he took the fish in and I idled in and then called the Marine up that the MPFL had contracted with, um, to take care of our boats. It was uh, Clemens boats out in right outside of uh, Sandusky. I'm trying to remember the town it was in, but the owner's a guy named Jason Clemens. And I called him and he, uh, he put me in touch with the dealership and the mechanic uh, met me there at seven o'clock that night. And I didn't have, I, I wasn't sure what was wrong with the engine. I thought maybe it was a flywheel or something because of the sound it was making. And he spent quite a bit of time on it. And at the, at the end of the night, it was about 11 o'clock at night. He said, yeah, it's your lower unit. And he said, we don't have any, we don't have any lower units. So I was on the phone trying to get a hold of some guys, but I didn't think, I didn't think I'd be able to do what I was doing without, my boat just because of the way my electronics are set up and stuff, it would have been really difficult to, to go without either the 360 or the live scope. I kind of needed them both. And so he, uh, he came out and said, Hey man, he said, I talked to the owner and the owner's ranger boat is in the back. He said, take the lower unit off of his boat and put it on yours. And I thought, well, that's really nice. He said, you just got to bring it back on Sunday and give it back and we'll swap it on. I was like, all right, perfect. So in one piece, right? (laughs) <laughs> yeah well that yeah i mean it's lake erie i didn't hit anything to start the whole problem but yeah it's still you know nerve-wracking but um to use something but you know i don't really beat on my equipment i take good care of maintenance wise and everything else so i was really surprised that i had the issues that i did on day one and on day two so but clemens marines man they the, between dustin williamson and clemens on day one i mean i i, I just felt like the cards were stacked against me but um, other than the fishing was good and I was in a good area and I had it all to myself. So I was kind of bummed, you know, if I wouldn't have been able to get back out there, but But that was my next question is how many, how many folks did you see or were around you? I mean, how, how long of a ride was that one way to get to your fish? Um, I, I I think it was like 26 miles as the crow flies from, uh, from, from where we took off in Sandusky Bay. Um, so it wasn't that far, really. Okay. It's just, you know, Lake Erie, you really can't ever run very fast. So right. I guess it took probably about 45 minutes or so to get up there in the morning. And again, I didn't hit it hard. You know, I took it pretty easy, kind of went with the waves, you know, took took what it, what it gave me as far as speed goes. And, you know, I didn't want to slap the front around too much and have something go wrong with one of the electronic units or the transducers break or anything like that. So, yeah, I took it easy. Um, Okay. And then I caught, caught them all on a drop shot. Um, pretty much day one, I had the drop two two. I actually had four drop shot rods set up on the front deck in the morning, and then uh, about I guess it might have been day two. I took out a tube, but I never made a cast with it. 
Um, but about middle of the day, I took it out just cause I was just trying to figure out a way to get some bigger bites. Um, not that I really, I mean, I had a pretty good bag on day two, but the problem with the tube up there, if you guys ever fish up there, it's just, it, it's really hard to catch smallmouth and not sheep's head when you're throwing stuff on the bottom. So that's pretty much why I was throwing the drop shot most of the time. And I had a pretty long leader set up and, um, that's kind of how that went. So yeah, just a Berkeley flatworm in the morning, I threw green pumpkin. And then in the afternoon I threw uh, a shad color. I forget what it was called. Just a something shad. Okay. And those are the only two baits I threw, uh, all day, all three days. <laughs> so, so what, yeah, uh, out. what changed from day one to day two, besides, you know, you had 20 pounds, uh, right at almost 21 pounds on day two, anything changed weather wise or, um, with your fish, they, they move it all. What, you know, what, uh, I mean, you're 26 on day one and almost 21 on day two. So you, it seems like, you know, you had one or two really big ones on day one that really helped. What, what, what was different about day two? Anything? Well, day two, the, I caught quite a few fish on day two. I had a camera boat on day two and I fished the same general, uh, you know, waypoints. I never got on plane all day, all three days. It was just idling from one rock pile to the other, but I had 10 or 15 of them marked. So day two, um, the wind did, did change directions and the fish weren't, weren't relating to the humps the same way they were on day one. Um, you know, day one, they were all on the north side of every hump I went to and day two, they were, they were scattered a little bit more. Um, but the, the wind laid down pretty good on day two and that's, I, I don't think I felt like I needed the wind to lay down a little bit just so I, I, I really wanted to spot lock um, around those humps to where I could see on my 360 where the boulders were so I could run that drop shot kind of in between the boulders that's I felt like that's kind of where the bigger fish were but um, I don't you know I, I, I forget how many fish I caught on the second day but it probably close to I don't know 20 maybe or so I mean it was and a lot of it was idling around. We were sitting at the cameraman. We were sitting down about 10 in the morning. And he said that, um, he said, yeah, the guys in the studio, Luke Duncan and, and fat cat were asking if I was going to fish anymore because they kept coming back to me on live. And I, I told him, I didn't think I was going to fish anymore the rest of the day, just because, you know, I, I knew I had over 20 and I just, you know, really wanted to save it for day three. So okay. that's kind of how that went. So how many, how many fish were you catching each of the first two days? total uh, i would say probably day one i probably caught um well i had the first five and then i probably caught two more that didn't go in the weigh-in bag so not many on day one so 12 13 fish on day one but again you know that those big ones came pretty early so right. uh I, I was done then and day two I caught quite a few on day two just because I was, you know, trying to upgrade a little bit, but it got to the point where it just seemed like every fish I caught was like, you know, three and a half pounds, three and three quarters. And so it just, I felt like I was kind of, I don't want to say spinning my wheels, but I, I just was really kind of concerned about day three. And, um, so I don't, I don't remember how many I caught, but I'm going to say probably, probably close to 20 on day two. Okay. So nineteen nine on day three. Um, talk about it. I mean, was there ever a point in time during the day? I mean, you won by 
what, three and a half pounds just about. But was there ever a point on a time on day three where you thought, man, I've got this. All I, all I, all I got to do is get in and we're good. Was there ever that point on day three? No, there wasn't. Um, I, I ended up winning by a pound, just a little over a pound. Okay. But I had, I forget what my lead was. I think I had a, I think I was leading by six pounds on day one and then five pounds after day two ended. But no, I, I knew, you know, I've known Gary Atkins for a long time. And I, matter of fact, I sent him a text message, um, Friday afternoon and I'll read it to you. Um, real quick. Sure. You're gonna. Have, I'm gonna have to uh, probably edit a little word out of here, but <laughs> that's all right. We're 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 a semi-family show. It's okay. So, all right. <clears throat> so, um, yeah, I sent him a text message at um 6:24 on Friday. I said, Gary, of all people, why are you running up my ass? Why you got to hog all the trophies, LOL. I said, great, great freaking bag today. Congrats and hope you catch him tomorrow. And then, of course, he messaged me back and we went back and forth a little bit. But there's no sleeping with Gary Atkins behind you. And I knew if I could get 26 pounds, he could get 28 pounds. So, um, and that was who, who was in second going into the final day. So, no, I, I actually was pretty pretty stressed out all day on day three. And fishing was not as good at all. When I looked at my Sailflow app on uh, Friday night, it said the wind was going to die down at 11 o'clock in the morning to like three to five. And I, and that's perfect for what I wanted to do. And it never did. And those fish, you know, for me being on them for two days, they just got really spooky. And, and I had, I had, you know, I mean, it wasn't a struggle to get a lemon. It wasn't a struggle to get, you know, 16, 17 pounds, but I really, really wanted to get over 20 pounds. I was hoping to get around 22 and then I would have felt safe. But, uh, it just, it never happened, man. I caught a, a, a whole lot of sheep's head. The wind never died down. And then I think the live went off at two and the cameraman sat down. He said, okay, we're not live anymore. And it was maybe a half hour, 40 minutes after that, that the wind died down. And I had, a, I, I, I tried to separate my fish in the live wells by size. And I ended up the very first fish I caught that morning on day three was like, two and a quarter, two and a half pounds at, at best. And I put it on the passenger live well. And then the next fish I caught was a four pounder. And then I think I had another one that was four. And I had those three fish on the passenger live well. And then the driver's side live well, I had two, three and a half pounders. So, you know, I, I was going to fish until, you know, at least give myself an hour and a half to get back. But up until then, I was going to fish everything I had. And I just kept catching these three and a half pound fish. And then with about an hour and a half to go, maybe an hour and 45 minutes, I caught one that was, I felt like it was pushing six pounds and, uh, called out one of those three and a halves. And then I told my camera guy, I said, go ahead and buckle down. We're going to head in early. And, uh, when I opened the live wells to put some ice and G juice in, I, I saw one fish on my passenger live well that the tail was kind of floating up a little bit and, and it was discolored and fish was alive, but I could tell it you know, needed some help. And when I pulled it out, it was like, I'm like, man, this thing's like two and a half pounds. I don't know how I forgot about this one. So I said, we're going to stay and call it out. And so we stayed another 45 minutes or so, pretty much pushed it to the end and I never caught another fish. So oh, wow. that, 
that was very, and plus I wasn't sure if I'd be able to keep it alive. And it was just really the whole way in. I'm thinking, man, I cannot believe I made this mistake. And I'm, I, you know, you, you know, when little things like that happen, you feel like that's, what's going to cost you. But I got it in and, and, uh, you know, made it to the bump station. All right. Matter of fact, it, I, it was alive when they, when they took it from me at the stage, but, um, but anyways, yeah. So I was a little nervous. And then when I was in line, they, 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 they weigh in according to your finish so that, you know, there's some drama at the end, whatever. And I saw Gary weighed weigh in almost 24 pounds. And I thought I kind of figured I had between 18 and 19 and I think I needed 18, four or 18, six to win. Okay. So yeah, when I was sitting on the front deck of the boat about to weigh in, I was just thinking to myself, man, this is, this is going to be tight. It's going to be close. Um, I told Gary that when I went on stage, I said, man, it's going to be a close one. And, uh, so yeah, scale hit 19 something. I forget. And it's kind of how it went down, but I got lucky, man. I got definitely lucky at the end that that fish didn't hurt me. Well, I was going to say, how many prayers did you say, or how long did you pray on the, on, the, on that boat ride home or, or back in that? I know if it was me, I'd have been, you know, praying pretty hard, making sure that fish is still going to be alive when I got there. Yeah, it, 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 um, I did, there, there was several times during this tournament, day one, two, and three, where I just kind of, I, you know, I'm not, I don't go to church every Sunday. Um, I pray and, and I do believe that everything happens for a reason and God has a plan for all of us. And I just let things go the way they went. And, and, and that's how I was just thinking on the way in, if this, you know, if this is your plan, I'll, I'll be, I'll accept it. You know, we'll just sure. go with whatever happened. Right. So worked out all right. Well, 66-9 for the win. Gary finishes second at 65-4. Uh, my math was bad. It was completely bad. Obviously, my eyes are – I didn't get my eyes checked, so I was totally misread those numbers. Taylor Watkins third and Sheldon Collins fourth, Dan Blackard in fifth. So, I mean, heck of an event, but, I mean, 26 pounds, one ounce. What does that look like in, in your live well? Because it's got to be a, a freaking cool sight to see when you open the live wells up, and there's 26 pounds of smallmouth in there. Yeah, it, it, it's one of those deals when you have, you know, that many boats out on that lake. And I knew there was a bunch of guys up around Peely and the helipad, you know, in areas that are historically known as big fish areas. I just thought, man, they're biting today and everybody's going to whack them. And, and, you know, I, I feel like a lot of guys did. I mean, it was a good, it was a good, it was a good tournament for guys that were on Erie. I know there was a handful of guys, more than a handful that were running up to St. Clair. They had a great practice up there and I heard the buzz about St. Clair and the Detroit river and everything else. And I was, you know, concerned about that, but in order to beat 26 pounds, I mean, you're going to have to, that's just, I don't, I don't think there's many bags up in Lake Erie or St. Clair or Detroit river. I mean, I, I feel like even the best locals out there in a BFL and matter of fact, they did have a BFL. Uh, I forget what they called it, but there was one on Saturday and Sunday and I think 26 pounds, one boat. Yeah. yeah the, the 26 pounds, one and both, but that's just a mega bag for those smallmouth in that area. I, I think, I don't know what the record would be, but it can't be much over 26. I don't think anybody's had a dirty 30 out of there, but so, you know, I felt good that way, but, um, but no, I mean, you're, you know, Lake Erie, the way it was fishing, I just didn't think anything was going to be safe until um, once the weigh-in happened and I, I had a big lead. Then I felt really, really good because I knew it was going to be hard for them to catch me. I didn't have to work as hard as I did on day one and, and, and keeping that lead or anything. It was just like, you know, if I can get 20 pounds a day the next two days, I just couldn't see anybody catching me. But, it, you know, it damn near happened. So. Sure. 
Sure. David, you had a question? Yeah, earlier you mentioned uh, using two different colors, uh, green pumpkin and, a, I guess, a shadow white, something like that in terms of color. What in practice, or, or unless it uh, happened in a tournament, clued you into switching colors? Because, like, normally me, if I'm throwing a, a drop shot or something, I'm more likely I'm just throwing one particular color that I'm stuck with. So what what kind of, you know, uh, clued you to or brought you to make the you know, decision to throw two different colors? Okay, so the shad was. I'm I'm sitting in the boat now, and I, I just put, took the bag out. It's actually natural shad was the color that I was throwing. Well, I'll tell you, it's very simple, and it's kind of embarrassing to tell you, but the reason was is because I only had three bags of green pumpkin, and I'm like, well, I I got to save those, and so, um, so I went I went through the other colors I had, and uh, the natural shad was the next color I pulled out, and I was just like, well, that's kind of whatever and so and it actually that's what i call all the big ones day one was the natural shad so when my cameraman came in the boat i acted like i knew what i was talking about and i said yeah this green pumpkin's great in the morning and natural shad's better in the afternoon but of course it probably didn't really matter <laughs> but I, tried, I wanted to act like i knew what i was talking about <laughs> i bet he's got more colors than you david that's why he that's why he can you know can bounce through them so well, yeah, just, I did. I, I did. I did throw a green pumpkin party for a little bit, and I didn't get bit on it. Uh, I don't know that it would have really mattered, but and then I had uh, cinnamon purple. I threw that a little bit too, and then I threw the flat nose, flat nose minnow a little bit. But you know, it didn't really affect me a whole lot as far as the color went. I mean, the green pumpkin I knew would be a good color no matter what. And I probably could have got away with it all day, but um, but again, you know, in the morning it's it's a little darker and cloudy, overcast, and that's why. You know, I'm not trying to BS you here at this point, but I did think green pumpkin might have something to do with that in the morning. And then that natural shad just got a bigger bite in the afternoon. And it looks, it's just a light green pumpkin with a little gold fleck. And that's always been a great lake staple up there is anything with gold fleck in it. You know, I mean, Sturgeon Bay, we used to always use green pumpkin gold. And and I just believe with the gobies. And I caught a couple gobies. Um, actually, I caught one in practice and it was, it, was exactly the same color as that natural shad. It was a really light colored goby. And so, it, it, you know, I didn't have any issues throwing that color. I did feel like it, you know, kind of mimicked the color of the goby a little better. Okay. Good deal. Um, I, crazy question. Oh, sorry. Kenneth Grover, our, our other host, host, joined us here. Kenneth, welcome Go to the ahead. show. What uh, What's your question, KG? Well, I was just going to go a little different route here. Um, you know, the MPFL is in this second year. Uh, it's it's something, you know, obviously it's it's still fairly new. Uh, you guys as anglers, you know, it's it's a, it's a pretty hefty investment for you guys. You know, some obviously being something new that, you know, it, it's a bit of a bit of a challenge, I guess, you know, on your end. But tell us a little bit about, you know, kind of the, the behind the scenes or being a part of the fraternity of, of the anglers that are fishing this and, and, you know, as you're traveling, you know, to these events, you know, guys that are, whether you're rooming with people or at the hotel or out to dinner, what's it like being a part of the group that is fishing these tournaments? Kenneth, that's a great question. You know, I, I fished the Bassmaster Opens uh, since 2013 and then in 2019 and 20, I did all, all three, you know, divisions or two divisions when they had the Easterns and the, and the uh, Southerns. Um, and there is a completely different vibe on the MPFL. 
it, you know, at, I think at first there was a little feeling out process. Cause you know, I was, I was, I, I was one of the original guys and, you know, last year that started it. And I think there was a little bit of a feeling out process in the beginning, you know, some guys you'd heard of and some you hadn't. And, uh, you know, there were a lot of guys that were in the MPFL that fished the opens that I knew. And, but, but it has, it, it is definitely, uh, a very unique, uh, organization in that the MPFL ownership group has done a really good job of, of bonding the anglers and, and, and getting everybody to understand that, um, you know, at the end of the day, as their product, we're all a team, you know? So, you know, it's, 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 it's crazy thinking back in the club days when, you know, you would come into the weigh in and guys would have their rods put away and they'd have lures covered up and, um, super secretive and bitching about spots and whatever. And the MPFL, man, it's almost the complete opposite. Guys uh, are really uh, open to sharing, uh, I wouldn't say necessarily spots, but, you know, how they're catching them. And I travel with a great group of guys, uh, Dustin Williamson, Chris Canute, his son Justin travels with us. Um, Brett Loomis is with us this year. Louis Fernandez, the Bass Warrior. Um, you know, we, 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 we share a lot of information. And Ron Johnson and I, we traveled together for nine years. He's doing the MPFL. He's having a good year. Um, so we chat here and there. And it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a blast, man. I really do enjoy it. The, the downfall with the MPFL so far for me personally, and I know a lot of guys don't have an issue with this, but, you know, living in Lake Wales, Florida, it's like every tournament is far. So we were in Bay City, Michigan for the last tournament, which was, I don't know, 2,000 miles and then having to come back to Erie. And so for me, it's the travel that I don't like. But once I get to the venues and the MPFL does a really good job setting up uh, meet and greets for like our off day on Wednesday. It's like our media day. And uh, we do volunteer work with um, the boys and girls clubs. And, you know, last year in Texas, we took uh, – uh, kids that were challenged, uh, horseback riding. And so it's, it's cool, man. It's, it's, it is it, it, from outside the fishing part of it. It's just, it's a, it's a cool, cool organization, man. And I'm really proud to be a part of it. I, I, I kind of had planned on this being my last year going into this, this tournament, actually going into the last couple, I just figured, you know, I had a, a couple other ideas I wanted to do next year. I wanted to start a business and I have my master's captain's license. I wanted to put that to work and start a eco tour business, but you know, maybe a little bit of it's going to change now after this, this win on Lake Erie, I'll see how, how things go moving forward. But, um, but I am very impressed with the, and I'm not knocking bass. I really like the bass masters. I think Chris Bowes has uh, put together a really good deal up there and, um, great organization and, but the MPFL is the coolest thing I've ever done. I mean, it's just, it really is a cool deal and having cameras in your boats and, um, the way they run the, uh, the flights out, it's just, it all makes sense. They lay out a really good playground for everybody to go out on. And, you know, our platform is pretty good based on what they're doing. And so, yeah, I don't know. I like it, man. I like the anglers. You know, we got some really good talent that came in this year after last year. After the first year, I think a lot of guys were kind of hesitant to jump on board. They wanted to see how things were going to play out, and and they played out. You know, they had a little hiccup at the end of the year, which I'm not really sure exactly what happened. But, um, you know, we got some big-time elite guys came in, Jason Williamson, Patrick Walters, and we got some big FLW pros that have come over and 
as far as I know, they're all happy. So um, moving forward, we'll see where it goes. Well, speaking of travel, you ain't got to go too far for your last one down on Kissimmee. How do you feel about that one coming up? And I guess it's, what, two months away, but um, still you got to be kind of excited for that one, don't you? Yeah, I am. Uh, that was the one on the schedule that I was really looking at, looking forward to. Now I'm not, I don't have a lot of history there, um, especially in, in October, but, um, but you know, this, this particular, when it came up on the schedule, I mean, I don't have a job. So every day I wake up and I <laughs> launch my, I'm up about five minutes from the launch and I launch my boat out there at Camp Mac and I fish it every day. So, you know, if I, if, if I bomb Kissimmee, then I'll, it'll, it'll hurt. But, I'm not saying I'm going to win it because, you know, any tournament can be won. I mean, look at the results so far, even this year, you know, with, uh, and last year, you know, Buck Mallory going out and winning Winnebago and you got Drew, Drew Six winning Hartwell. And, you know, these are guys, I, I shouldn't say Buck Mallory. I guess he was sort of expected to do good because he's a good smallmouth guy, but I think he was catching largemouth. But Drew Six winning Hartwell, I mean, man, we had a bunch of guys in the field from Hartwell that are good studs out there and here drew six comes in and wins it and me winning Erie. I mean, you know, nobody would ever thunk that. And so anybody can win Kissimmee. There's no doubt about it. And, you know, with the Florida tournaments, it's always, you know, who's going to get the big bite in a three day tournament. I feel like if you can get a couple over eight pounds in the three days, you're going to have a good shot at winning, you know? So I don't know. Hopefully it's me. I mean, I'd just be grateful to go out there and compete and, you know, get a check and, you know, obviously I want to win, but, um, I'll be happy with just having a strong tournament, you know, just fish clean and catch some big ones and see where it goes, you know? Sure, sure. All right, last question. Over the course of those three days, because you led wire to wire in this event, right? Led wire to wire. Over the course of those three days, how many of these Black Rifle Espresso 300s did you drink? Well, so I had... I had two on day one and I had two on day two. And then Sean Mohall, the tournament director, had a case sitting for me on day three at the end of the, <laughs> by the ramp. And I put, I put a few in my cooler and, and then, uh, I think I ended up drinking five of them. And that was, first of all, they're, they're a great drink. And, and I really, I, I gave one of the camera guy and I told him, I said, you'll, you'll take better pictures. You drink this, it'll give you some metal clarity and you'll, you'll take better photos. <laughs> And, uh, and then my camera guy took a couple and anyways, that night, man, I laid down to go to bed and about two in the morning, I woke up and I'm like, man, I need to be fizzed because something ain't feeling good here, you know? Um, but yeah, those RTDs, man, that's a, that's about, about the best drink I feel like you can have on the water. I don't like taking hot coffee out on the lake, you know, but those RTDs, man, they taste good and they do, man. They, they give you a good jolt and keep you focused and keep you on, you know? So when, when, when I was struggling there, I caught that big one at the end. I, I caught that about an hour after I drank that last RTD. And I thought, man, I know I had to do something with that. I should have drank it sooner, but, um, <laughs> yeah. So, and, you know, and for anybody that's listening, um, that blast off 25 code, uh, they can get 25% off um, Black Rifle Coffee. It gets delivered right to your house and also um, products. So if you want a Black Rifle hat or shirt, um, any of their swag, uh, Blast Off 25 is the code to use, and they'll get 25% off for the first month. So definitely recommend it. It's, and for all anglers, man, that, that those RTDs, they're ready to drink is what it stands for. That is the way to go, man. I'm telling you, on a tournament day, um, 
put a couple in your cooler and you know get your jolt in the morning to get going and then as soon as you hit that lull in the day where you're not catching anything or you just don't feel real productive sit down and drink it take your time enjoy it and then you get back on your feet and you'll start catching them again there you go there you, go. you heard it you heard it firsthand folks what they'll do for you so well scott congratulations on the win uh very excited for you um thank you for uh for being a part of the show tonight i imagine we'll be talking to you again here pretty soon so i, pre- I appreciate it guys thanks and uh thanks for letting me be a part of the show i'm a big fan of your guys's so um it's pretty it's a big honor to be on your show so i appreciate it absolutely buddy take care we'll talk to you soon travel safe thank you See bye-bye you. well guys there he is scott Siller, your npfl pro win Scotson night david how yep. about that i mean kg missed that <laughs> but uh, it says lake wells florida on his profile but dude dude was he's from wisconsin kg he didn't we i mean it, that was my first it caught me off guard it caught me off guard i look like Hold. the biggest dipshit of all when i said so what's a guy from lake wells florida know about catching the 66 pounds of small man he goes well i'm from milwaukee and i'm like well shit there you go screwed that up didn't <laughs> well, you cb so, you know, the, the majority of people in Florida started somewhere up north. That is true. That is true. <laughs> kind of like Huntsville <laughs> so, or somewhere else, I guess, for that matter. So kind of like Huntsville. But uh, good dude. Glad to have him on and uh, excited for uh, excited for his win and the NPFL. So we heard some rumors today. I'm not going to speculate. I'm not going to bring them up. That uh, what did you say? If they'll play their cars right. Couldn't make for a better year next year for the NPFL, but hey, we'll see. You know, so let's talk about rely on lithium batteries right now. As an angler, your time on the water is your most valued asset. Your boat needs reliable batteries for starting and running your rig and equipment, shorter charge times, more usable capacity. Without that late day voltage sags, mean you can spend more time chasing that fish of a lifetime learn more about the rely on lithium advantage today at rely on lithium battery.com and of course this segment brought to you by our friends at vicious fishing reminding you it's time to get out on the water and get vicious elite series pro brandon luster relies on vicious fishing line as it helped him do a two wins and a second place in aoi points this year on the elite series trail be like Brandon, get spooled up with Vicious Fishing Line and get vicious. Get restocked at getvicious.com and tell them the Angler's Channel guys sent you. Of course, we can't forget about our friends at Revital Outdoors. They want you to enjoy the outdoors comfortably with premium CBD products that help give you your competitive edge back. CBD sports cream, CBD gummies, and CBD soft gels are all 100% THC-free and recommended by pros like Mark Menendez, Shaw Grigsby, Brian New, and more. Plus, all the products come with a money-back guarantee. Check out RevitalOutdoors.com. Use code ANGLERSCHANNEL20 for 20% off your order and get out there and make memories that will last a lifetime. So, excited to be back this week. Uh, apologize for kind of the circus that was last week. Y'all had a lot of things, a lot of nice things to say about me off air. <laughs> you thought I wasn't listening. Problem is, is when David hits the zoom thing, gets starts recording immediately. So the time he turns it on. So I heard it all. I know how we There's- feel. 
I know how you feel about me and what I was doing last week. And um, Unfortunately, you're the only one that knows what we said because we don't remember. I know you don't. I know you don't. But, yeah, so I heard it all. It was uh, it was good stuff, but it is good to be back. And I do want to congratulate you guys. Y'all did a heck of a job in my absence with Jay Securit. Uh, another Wisconsin guy. I, this Wisconsin thing, David. It's, it's good thing the season's almost <laughs> over. But it's uh, gonna stick. I know it's gonna stick for somebody somewhere. I'm sure. But uh, you guys did a great job, and the close was good. And I think the best text I got though was on Wednesday when I heard. I didn't know the show was two hours and six minutes long <laughs> from David. He's like, "Oops," and I'm like, "Well, it's okay. It's all right. It was good stuff." So, how are you guys doing? KG, how are you? I'm good. Yeah? Did you get the boat out this weekend? Did a little fishing? I sure did. You, I, I saw a walleye, and the best part was, I think, the best text out of that string was, David, what do I do with this? And David said, dinner. So I'm like, well, that's pretty good. pretty good choice there. It's so, that. But uh, Elite Series Coaster came out last week. Of course, everything comes out the day after the podcast airs, right? So we're never ahead on anything when it comes to this stuff, but looks like, um, uh, you know, they, they, they might not want our, you know, a quick opinion on stuff. So they may do it on purpose. Well, okay, sure. They may want us to sleep on it a few times before, you know, we actually give our opinion. Oh, they may. That's okay. They may. They shouldn't be scared. No, you're right. You're right. Okeechobee in February, then Seminole in February. Then of course the classic in, uh, on Tennessee river out of Knoxville, in late March, April, they go to Lake Murray and then to Santee. May, they're over here on Lay Lake, and I guess I read Shelby County. And I, that that I, I didn't I just didn't get didn't get that far when I when I was looking at the schedule. But Lay Lake in May, Orange, Texas in June, St. Clair in July, Champlain and the St. Lawrence River in August. So, David, thoughts? Um. I'm interested to see how Lake Murray uh, will play out. I, I don't know when the last, I don't know if it was, I don't know if it was it FLW before the MLF pay, uh, buyout was there for a tour event or for, if it was even beyond that at the the cup event or whatever. But, cup uh, but I am looking to see, yeah. So. so just interested to see how that one, I know everyone's like, oh, same, same old venues, but I guess that one and Seminole. To I guess newer or not seen as much on the elite side, so interested to see how those two events will play out. But yeah, they're going to end a small mile Disneyland again, so we'll see how that goes. Speaking of small mile Disneyland, did you see where um, uh, Taku and Zona are filming this week? So I would love to be a fly in the boat on on that show <laughs> or, or that uh, that filming deal. That's going to be a lot of fun. I can't wait. We still we, we have got to plan. International night here on the podcast, David. We got to get Taku okay. and Kenta and all the other names I can't pronounce. We got to get them on. We got to have a full blown <laughs> international night with translators and the whole nine yards. We get Sego on here and everybody else. Well, we got to we got to plan that. So we, I'm gonna need your help on that. So we'll have to get that plan coming up. But um, you know, Okeechobee, mm, that yeah. I mean, I'm, uh, that's interesting. They got to start somewhere, right? Uh, Seminole, I like. I like Seminole. We've, they've been there before in March, uh, early March, well, mid March, because my birthday was there one year. 
Um, that, that'll be interesting. I think that was the one that Brett Height won uh, back in 14, maybe, 13, 14. Um, maybe it was 14, early 14 um, was when he won it. And then uh, let's see, what else? Um, Lay Lake will be interesting. KG, what do you feel about it? Well, you know, Lay's got, gotten tougher. It's it has. I, I don't know if it's because of pressure. Maybe we'll maybe another year. Maybe next year will kind of roll through. I, I think a lot a lot of these lakes are getting less pressure now, at least around here. So maybe it's maybe that's all it was, and and next year kind of will be a little bit better starting out. But that that lake's gotten a little tricky. Uh, I I expect to be kind of lower lower weights. Matter of fact, when that came out in our our tech stream, I, I made the comment that I didn't think there would be any century belts next year. David, I think, seemed a little surprised by that. But I, you know, if there is, it's going to be, gosh, Seminole's capable of it mm-hmm. if Seminole's good. It's, Seminole's one of those tricky fisheries that, man, some years it's just it, it's it can can really be tough. I'm, I'm like uh, I'm like you. I, I don't I don't even think St. Lawrence will give it up in August. Do you? Well, I mean, they proved it. It takes absolute perfect weather in order to to really legitimately have a chance of doing that anywhere up there. Yeah, I, I'm with you though. I I don't see a century belt on, on this list at all uh, for next year, at all. I am interested in Murray. Um, matter of fact, we've been invited to Murray and to Santee by our good buddy uh, Roger Metz with Woods and Water, South Carolina. Uh, probably go to Murray. Probably go over there and uh, and check out Murray. And uh, and see what's going on with that one. Can't make Santee as much as I would like to. Um, and you know this comes up a lot in, in, in our stream talking about Orange, Texas, and the Sabine, and and why do they go there? And I mean it's a challenging fishery, but the people there love bass, and they love to have bass come in. And dude, they draw a freaking crowd. Yeah, like didn't they have like concerts and stuff? They do. The last it's, year they were there. Usually, it's, it's usually in conjunction with a, I don't want to say a fair, but some type of a fair-like atmosphere there that's going on in the same venue, and um, at least it was, you know, the the few times that I've been there. But the the people there just they they love bass coming there, and they pay for it. They bring them in. They do a tremendous job, and the and the people around there, because you're not but a few hours from Dallas, a few hours from New Orleans, a few hours from Baton Rouge, you bring in a lot of people. And that's one of the few places that I've traveled to that when you cross over the state line into Texas, the mile marker reads like 898 or something like that, or it's 800 and something, and then starts going down. So that tells you how far you've got to get across the state of Texas, right, on that, on that, on, on that highway. But I mean, it's it's. Um, I mean, they they draw a crowd there. They really do. So those folks love having having uh, bass come in. So that's uh, that's going to be a good deal. Before I forget, ExxonLures.com. Use code BMP30 for thirty percent off through September the twenty fourth. That's BMP30. In conjunction with BP's uh, Angler of the Year win, um, make sure you get uh, you know use that code and get that because that'll be that's a huge savings on Exxon stuff and uh, excited to uh, they're excited to offer that promotion. So thanks to Brandon winning the uh, the 
2022 Bassmaster Angler of the Year. So go ahead. I, 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 let me let me just add something there. Sure. Anybody that's ordering, if you're not if you're not that familiar with with that zone or hadn't used it much, and you're wondering, hey, you know, I, I, I like that particular bait. I'm wondering what colors I should get. First thing on your list should be 309. If it's offered in 309, order 309 what's, and whatever you want. What's 309? What color is that? It's 309. Oh, that's right. Okay. I got you. I got you. It The, the color is 309. I got you. Yes. Okay. All right. I remember seeing that on the list. Just just or, order that one and you're good. Order that one and you're good. So in everything you got, order that one and you're good. Okay. Yeah. Just, just saying. Let me tell you guys about fully loaded tobacco-free chew. Finally, a tobacco-free dip that doesn't suck. Fully loaded products are made with one goal in mind. That's to help you switch from tobacco. Made with food-grade ingredients and the cleanest nicotine available, fully loaded only uses pure lab-derived nicotine with zero trace of the tobacco-based chemicals known to cause cancer. Fully loaded tobacco-free dip allows you to control how you quit and is available from zero half to full nicotine with 0% cancer causing agents, 100% tobacco free and 100% satisfaction guarantee. You deserve to live fully loaded. Find out more at fully loaded and use code anglers 25 for 25% off your order and get fully loaded today. All right, the fully loaded you pickums coming up this week, week one and a half for September. We didn't do it last week because there wasn't a lot on the calendar. I don't want to cheap anybody, so we're going to kick it off this week with week one and a half. But before we do that, I forgot all about this. I put out a little challenge to everybody last week, talking about Angler of the Year, right? And I needed someone, I needed answers to this question. Who are the three anglers who have won three Bassmaster Angler of the Year trophies? David, do you know who they are? I didn't cheat. I didn't look, but I think I can't think of for sure. Bill Dance, George Cutkin, maybe. Nope. I don't know. Eh. That's the only two I could think of, but yeah. You were close on Cochran. He lives about uh, about 30 minutes down the road. From where Cochran does. Got his name on the sign. Welcome to home of Mark Davis, Mount Ida, Arkansas. Oh. Yep. Mark Davis is one. And one more. You're a big fan. Three-time. Bassmaster Angler of the Year. Kenneth, do you know? No. I meant to go look this up afterwards, and I completely forgot. Not Davy Height. I could give you a clue, but it would totally disrupt it. Denny Brower? No. Aaron Martins. Bill Dance, uh, Mark Davis, Aaron Martins are the three who have won three Bassmaster Anger of the Year's. Uh, since 1970, do you know how many different people have won Anglers of the Year? I think that said that was said during the broadcast, but I can't remember the number. 18 or 22 or something like that. It's in that range. 26. Okay. Roland's got nine. Roland Martin has nine. KVD has seven. 
then Dance, Davis, Aaron Martins at three apiece. Jimmy Houston, Gary Nixon, Gary or Larry Nixon, Gary Klein, Guido Hibden, Davey Height, Swindle, and BP all have two. And then with one angler of the year apiece, you've got Hank Parker, Denny Brower, Rick Klun, which surprised me. Klun's got more classic wins, obviously, but only one angler yep. of the year. David Fritz, Timmy Horton, Jay Yellis, Ike, Skeet, Brent Chapman, Greg Hackney, Justin Lucas, Scott Canterbury, Seth Fighter, and Clark Winlet all have one AOI win apiece. So, yes, I scrolled through all 225 slides of Bassmaster because they don't list them anywhere. Chris Mitchell, y'all need to do better. They don't list them anywhere. But, it's uh, on Wikipedia. <laughs> I'm sure it is. If they did list it, you might have a hard time finding it. Anyway. Well, I would. Just, I would. Just say. No, I know. I would. Not just you, everybody. Oh, I know. I know. I would. But uh, so Greg Berger from Jefferson, South Dakota. Jefferson, South Dakota, people. Greg Berger won the Sportsman's Warehouse gift card, $100. He's already got it. Probably already spent it. Sent that to him, and then he has an X-Zone prize pack headed his way as well. Uh, thanks in part to BP winning the Bassmaster Angler of the Year Award. So uh, excited for Greg. He was one of the first ones to get it in. Had a handful of guys get them right. Had a bunch of guys get them wrong, but uh, including you two. But, uh, but no, it was good. So uh, congratulations to Greg. That was, uh, that was a big deal. Um I noticed on on social a week or two ago, Gerald Swindle, part of a gender reveal. Thank God it's a girl, not his gender, not not his not his kid or Lou's not pregnant. Let me back that up. Some fan wrote in and said, "I'm a big fan, and I want to you know y'all do my gender reveal." So they did. So pretty cool little deal. Um, and then of course the slobber knocker wins the what was it, David? The ASA ICAST Anglers, Anglers Anglers Choice Award, the first ever. Interestingly enough, Minkota won or the um, Hummingbird Mega Live Mega Live the 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 live target or target live what target lock Gosh, target Chris, lock target yeah. lock won our our Anglers Choice Award, uh, which we did ours immediately after the show. They had to wait a month. But uh, after we did ours and they saw it, and they're like, oh, we can do that too. Yeah, that'd be cool. I want to know how, how many folks Copycat. voted. Uh, yeah. I want to know how many folks voted for theirs because it took me – I'm not even sure that I, I did vote. It took me a damn long time to get in to actually vote. So, but anyway. Um, but oddly enough, Slobberknocker was number two, second place in our deal. Not by much. I didn't miss that much, but – uh, Target Lock did win uh, for ours, and the Slobber Knocker win wins for uh, for them. So that's uh, that's a good deal. I'd love to see the actual breakdown on votes from that. But uh, anyway, uh, cool deal. Uh, let's see. Coming up this week, the fully loaded U Pickums going on this week, and it looks like where'd it go? I've got it up here on the old website. <clears throat> We, we missed the first week of September because not a lot going on. So this is week one and a half of September, I'm going to call it. The Bassmaster Northern Open on the Upper Chesapeake. Uh, the Delaware Bass Nation on the Nanticoke River. BFL North Carolina on Bugs Island. It's a two-day event, KG. 
BFL LBL on Kentucky Lake, another two-day event, and the BFL Buckeye on Mosquito Lake. That's a two-day event. Also, the Funk Buster Team Trail, which I spelled it wrong. I'll have to go in there and fix that. On Caddo Lake, that's a two-day event. And then the Cash and Rods Tour, St. Lawrence River, that's a one-day event. So get on there, get signed up, get your uh, get your choices made, get your picks in. Revital Outdoors giving away a – let me see what they're going to give us. I got it here somewhere. looks like a $175 gift card to Revital Outdoors. Revital Outdoors, your leading premium CBD products that help give you your competitive edge back. Uh, used by pros like Mark Menendez, Terry Bolton, Shaw Grizzly, Brian New, and more. Other products come with a money-back guarantee. You can find about find out more at VitalOutdoors.com. Use code ANGLERSCHANNEL20 for 20% off your order. So um, could be a really good deal. I got to get my order placed for some more stuff as well. I'm running a low on a few things. And, um, yeah, so got to get that done. So make sure you get your picks in uh, quickly on that. So, uh, let me, I'm going to go back. I want to, I got to fix this first. And, uh, so I don't get totally blasted by David when he goes through and he, uh, spell checks on my stuff here, because we both know that I can't spell what for, for, I mean, for nothing, I can't spell, but let's look at, um, real quick while we got a few minutes here, look at Bassmaster opens the, um, the anger of the year. Uh, what we're looking at there uh, because we've got a lot of stuff coming up and the opens are back in. And so it looks like we're going to the north, right? So on the upper Chesapeake, this the what's our tournaments left? Let me let me just pull this back up because I don't have them all in front of me yet. I, I'm I'm way behind, obviously, because of my my baseball debut last week, David. I'm running a little bit behind. So <laughs> but um don't don't judge me, KG. Don't judge me. So uh, I learned a lot last week from my little stint out there. Is this the last open for the North? It is. Yeah, I think uh, the only division that has one event fish so far was the Centrals, but the Southern and the Northerns both had two events. So fish, we got, so they've got upper, one left. Upper Chesapeake going on this week. That's the last Northern. Then we've got a Central on the Red River coming up uh, in about two weeks. And then a Southern on Hartwell in early October. And then uh, the last Central is on Rayburn in uh, mid to late October. So that's what's coming up. So looking at this right now for the Northerns, you've got Kenta, Alex Weatherall, and Kyoya Fujita? Kyoya Fujita. So what? Huh? Kyoya Fujita. Kyoya. <laughs> Ki- yep. Gosh, Marty. I'm just going to call him K Fajita. All right. K Fajita's in third. Interesting one here. You ready for it? Cody Meyer in fourth in this one. Cody Meyer in fourth. Ike in fifth. Jacob Walker in sixth. Poche, Garrett, Sukup, and Hugh 
Kaskiu Luella, golly, between 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 the Clemson quarterback and these guys, I'm phew, mind's blown this week. So, all right, so Kenta's got a what? 14 point lead. No, I'm sorry. An eight point lead. Sorry. Uh, eight. Six. Damn it, David. Six point lead. <laughs> Kenta's got a six point lead. Then Alex Weatherall, Weatherall uh, is second. And Kiyoya, I just, Fajita is third. Okay. But Kenta's already in the elites, right? Kenta's there already. He is, I think he has a classic qualification this year. So if he does. it's based on a two years, so he might squeak in without any confirmation from Bass what the twenty twenty three field's gonna well, be, I mean, but I think he might be in. I, I, think, I think I think he is too. So that puts Cody Meyer like basically in to qualify for the elites, right? They're taking three from each division this year. Correct? Yep. All right. So taking three from each division. So that could put uh, that could put Cody Meyer in, which would be an interesting deal. You look down that list a little bit though, you've got a lot of guys like Garrett Paquette, Logan Parks, uh, Sam George, Brian Schmidt. Schmidt's in there um, in twentieth. So they're not too far back, but I mean, it's you never know what's going to happen here. Paquette was an elite series guy, then got the boot after a couple of years. Did, did, didn't quite make the cut. That's got to put a fire in somebody to get back. When you think, KG? Well, you know, sec your second opportunity, at least you have a much better understanding of what it's like. You should go into it much, much better prepared. It it's got to be, it's got to be an eye-opening experience for any rookie. I, I don't care how long they've been around it, what they've done, how much they think they prepared. To actually get thrown into that, you know, because you you realize you qualify, it's it's a short notice. I mean, by the time you qualify and you start the season, man, it, it's gotta it's gotta be a tough deal. So you would hope second time in, he's better prepared. Yeah, no, yeah, for sure, for sure. So that's uh, that's what the, the the Northerners look like with one event to go. Um, really interested to see how this is going to go on the Upper Chesapeake. I mean, that's I've I've only been there one time. Um, and and haven't fished it, but have seen it. So be really interested to see what uh, how that's going to go. The Southerns, uh, we've talked about this a little bit, and we've got one event left in the Southerns. That's on Hartwell. Uh, so Fuentes is uh, tied with Lester right now at 380. Brian New is third. John Hunter Jr. is fourth. Canada, Frank. Uh, Coop Gallant, 7th, Logan Shaddix, Brian Smith, and Zach Burge in 10th. This is another where I, I like I like KG's words earlier in the year, talking about the different tours and the guys fishing different things. These guys want options, don't they, KG? A lot of things in the air right now. These guys want options. Well, you know, all these organizations have proven over the, the last several years that you never know what you're gonna what's gonna happen from year to year, and the, the bad thing is these anglers are putting in, they're investing not only their their money to 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 play the game and be involved, but all their time. And it takes, in a lot in most cases, it takes multiple years working yourself up the ladder. But when that ladder keeps changing before you get finished with that process, it makes it a difficult task. Sure. So about the only way you can kind of overcome it is to have multiple options. So if things change within an organization that you're not 
expecting or, or you don't like or whatever, having the ability to go a different direction because you've already pre-qualified makes it much a much better deal for these guys that are that are full-time professional anglers. Well, if it stays the way it is right now, Lester and New, they're already qualified. John Hunter Jr. and John Canada will move up into those two spots. And uh, this is just in the Southerns. So, I mean, we could be looking potentially at a class of anglers coming into the elites potentially next year with quite a resume behind them, you know, just saying. So they've got a lot of experience in a lot of different places. It could, uh, it could very well be, you know, something that, uh, you know, pretty eye-opening. And, of course, the Centrals still got two events left on it. Livesey, LeBrun, McKinney, Cole Sands. I really want to see LeBrun do something here. I really want to see what his options are at the end of the year. He's got a mindset to me, right? He's got a mindset to me that he could pretty much go anywhere he wants to go and do what he wants to do, and he's going to be successful at some point. He's, he's got the consistency down. He's going to do well. He's got the passion and drive, I think, to do it. Um, and he's he's paid his dues. I mean, he's got a lot of has. experience, and 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 he has experience in winning. And that's that's two different things, in my opinion. Got guys that fish a lot is one thing, but guys that fish a lot and win along the way, that there's a difference. Well, I mean, and, and we'll talk about we'll talk to Brandon about this at some point, Polinick. But um, you got to look at guys like LeBrun. Brandon, Caleb Sumrall, and others that have come through, they won an All-American, LeBrun did, right? Won an All-American. That's where I first heard of him. That's where anybody first heard of him was LeBrun from winning the All-American. He's qualified for a classic. He's qualified for the title, the Cups. Um, he's had a really good run in the pro circuit. He's won two back-to-back. Um, only one of three anglers to do that, four anglers to do that on, on the pro circuit side. Um, but I mean, it's not like, you know, it, they're like you or me that just jump in the opens and have a good three tournament stint and qualify for the elites or qualify for a classic that way. He's come from, he took, he, he I, I'll go back, he and Brandon and others, they took the long road to hoe to get there. Right, I mean, all Americans not easy, not easy to qualify for. I mean, you've qualified for a couple, KG, so they're not easy to get to. But still, got there, yeah. won one, and now look it's where hard, he's at. It's hard to get there and, and hard to win it too. And it he, he did both. He did, he did. And so, uh, you know, those are the guys that I, I really like and you know really admire because they're just everyday guys that work like us that have busted their rear ends and and here they go. What's interesting is I don't see many BPT pros in the centrals uh, that are up there, you know, that are up there pretty high. So it's interesting to see that, you know, Burge is in there, Willard's in there, but they're all top 30 right now. Um, but so that'll be interesting. And then you go to the overall opens, uh, which is interesting because then you've got Sukup, Cooper Gallant, Poche, Kenta, Kyle Patrick, Logan Parks, Cole Sands, Bradley Hallman, Joel Willard, and David Gaston in 10th. Paquette still in 11th, but there's a lot of fishing left to do still. 
And this is going to change quite a bit. Lineberger, who was once in the elites who's, and, uh, you know, got knocked out. Uh, Quentin Capo, who was 19th within the elites. And, and you know, he had he had a couple rough years. And you just can't afford to do that. You got to come in. But these, I think it it's kind of like Carl, right? Carl got knocked out, came back, won one. Now he's qualified for the Classic. I think you know it's it's a really big deal, guys. You know they're there, and they get knocked they get knocked down, and then when they finally get back in, they know what to expect. They know what you got to do to get there. So, Carl's kind of like Rocky. You know, he keeps taking all these punches and keeps coming back at the end. Yeah, he does. He does. And um, I sent him a text last week congratulating him on qualifying. And um, I know he was inundated with uh, with texts and things and traveling and whatnot. He finally got back to me a couple three days later, and he's like, "Dude, still or mate, excuse me, mate, still trying to process it all." And dude, that's that's a big deal. That's huge for him. He's been over here for God, what 10, 12 years doing this, David, longer than that. Yeah, and w- man, based based on his path and what he's had to go through, there there's. There's no other angler that's qualified for the classic this year that's had a road like that. No. His road is no. I'm not saying I'm not saying there's not other anglers that have difficult roads, but his road is completely different than everybody else. Completely. Else's. Completely. So um really, really cool to see and excited but, for the Northerners to wrap up this week. So w- one more thing that it just it just dawned on me as you were going through all this, it made me realize, you know, with the with the uh elite qualification next year being the fact that you have to fish all of the opens, <clears throat> will that make it harder for the BPT anglers? Because every year we see a handful of them fishing the opens, trying to qualify. Obviously, Co- Poche has been in all of them so far. It can be done, but there's got to be some scheduling conflicts along the way. Is it possible it's going to make it harder for those guys to try to fish the opens and <laughs> qualify for the elites going forward? Well, there's your big crapshoot right there. So the elites have their schedule out. And as we read today in that text that I copied you guys on or sent to you, a lot of stuff's still up in the air over on the MLF side. Schedules being one of those. And it's to me, and my thought is, it's now a chess match, right? Who's going to put their schedules out first? Do I think Bass gives a shit? Probably not. Do I think MLF does? Oh, yeah. I think they really do. I think they aren't waiting on an open schedule to come out so they can say, okay, my guys aren't going to fish them next year. We're going we're gonna to step all over them. How can we step all over them, right? So you, you think they may try to protect their, their business interest? Wouldn't you? Would you want to play defense on that? I mean, I'm just – I'm – David, what do you think? Or do y'all not want to answer? Y'all don't want to, y'all don't want to get called to the coffee table. I, I I would rather you have a business plan put together in a way to protect your anglers or make your, your a way for your anglers to want to fish your events to where you wouldn't have to go that route in order to not give them the option. Say that one more time. Is that for a convoluted answer? Say it one more time. I would rather have a uh, a business plan designed around making sure my anglers want to fish my events, not try to force them 
where they can't fish other events. Okay. All right. I'm with you. Uh, again, my opinion solely, and I'm not here to I'm not here to trash anybody. I like seeing guys with options. You- well, to, 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 well, look. To be honest with you, here here's an, here's the fact. From and you know, from a fan and from an angler standpoint, here's the facts. It would help everybody if anglers could fish multiple organizations. It would help everybody. Yes, it would. Okay, it would. If I'm if I'm organization A and my angler fishes my my events plus they they fish organization B's events. If that angler does well in organizational B events, it helps me because when he comes back and is in my events, he's got more fanfare because of it. Look at what John Cox has done. Oh. Look at the amount of fans he has because of what he does. Sure. Because the amount of tournaments he fishes and all that. Could you imagine if if there were other anglers that had all those options? The, the Because those guys are creating fans for themselves. So so when they're in your event, they're bringing their fans with you. Why do both organizations want him in their tournaments? Right. Because it, it helps them sure. as well. It's bringing people to their events. Right. Well, the ones that actually have people on site, but... Either way, whether it's in person or watching live or watching the TV shows, you know, as a fan, you typically have anglers that you like and, and want to watch. And when they're when they're on live, when they're on stage, when they're on TV, you're going to tune in. No, you're you're exactly right. You're exactly right. So, we'll be interesting to see what happens in the next few weeks. You've got what BPT next week, David? Is that right? APT fish this weekend. Um, this weekend start, starts start, Saturday. Start Saturday on Malax. That's right. Yep. So start Saturday on Malax. So we'll see uh, a lot go down uh, with that. And I mean, we can uh, go ahead with what you're going to say while I pull this up. So oh, I don't know. Just to throw a scenario out there, since you know, I, I would be interested to because we already know that what ten guys are going to get cut from the BPT side that are going to. Uh, Whatever they do, whether they choose to requalify, but I am also curious to know because we like you mentioned a few names that are on the uh, opens uh, rankings as well. I'm, I am curious to see who is seriously considering change of scenery, you know. And again, in order to uh, in order to fish or qualify to fish, at least you got to fish all nine opens. If if some guys are kind of like you know, what, I'm I'm done with the what BPT has and I'm going to go to bass. Who's going to just drop out and just commit to fishing the opens next year as well. Cause this Peroznik did it. Yeah. This is year three though. Right. So they can, I mean, year the, the contract deal is, is no longer correct. Yeah. I think they can that last year. That was like, That's right. two, I think that was during COVID, right? Was that during COVID 2020? Yeah. They can be, so they started in 19, they hit 19, 20, 21. So this is 22. This is their fourth year. Okay. Yep. So, yeah. So that's, they never got to the three years. Nope. That's they right. Canned it that's before, right. They can't it for that. that. But Swindle and Pawnet did, did have to pay to get out of theirs at yes. that time. So uh, that's a good question, David, because you never know. I mean, because yep. they're fishing, what, six, seven over here at, um, you know, for the BPTs? APT? Yeah. Let me look back and see. They fished. Uh, it, look, look, let me add this. You know, for anglers to make decisions like that, that's that's not a knock on one organization or no, the other. No, not at all. You know, like like Chris said, you know, these guys need options for various reasons. For for any angler that decides they don't want to fish 
a tournament trail they've been fishing, you know, whatever the reason is, there's there's more anglers behind them willing to take their oh, spot. No, yeah. yeah. So, you know, don't take it as a knock of one organization or another as, you know, like Porosnik did, okay? He just had a preference, you know. Yep. Um, you know, BP and, and Swindle, when they left, they had a preference one over the other. It's a personal thing, each individual. And, you know, when they left, there were plenty of guys willing to step up and take their spot. Right. So, don't, you know, don't take it personal. You know, don't take it as though it, there's a problem with one or the other. It's, you know, these guys have their own reasons for what they do. It, it's it's a business yep. decision for these guys, and they have to do what's best for them. Right. No, for sure. For sure. So, let's see. All right, cool. Um, all right. The No, I agree. And you look over at the – you look over at Bass Pro Tour standings right now, and Jacob Wheeler's got a David. Correct me if I'm wrong. A 63-point lead over 65-point lead over uh, over Jordan Lee in Angler of the Year. You got Andy Morgan, Alton Jones, Randall Tharp, Zach Birch, Ebear, Van Dam, Lawyer, and Lane in your top ten. Um, I want to. How do you have a half a point in points in in this? All of a sudden, Alton Jones <laughs> has 356.5 points in fourth place. I know it's – I'm just – first glance, there's half a points that have been awarded. I don't know unless it's, it's – if they tie, they may split points. I don't. I don't know how they do that. Um, no, because Alton Jones is a tiebreaker. Alton Jones Jr. and Adrian Avenir are at 306.5 a piece. So it's not a tiebreaker thing. No, I'm talking about like per event. You're, you're looking at overall. I am. So you see the point 0.5, but there's, there's gotta be in an event, there's gotta be a way you get 0.5. So maybe it's a, maybe in the event itself, there's, they split. I don't. I don't know. That doesn't really make sense either. But well, it has to because I, I go back to stage six where Cannell won, so he gets eighty points. Then it rolls all the way down to it looks like fortieth place. David Walker got forty-one points. But then Lefevre got thirty-nine and a half. Everybody from forty-first to seventy-ninth got basically a half a point. On top of what they got, so I listen. I don't know. I'm not. I'm not. I'm. I'm no longer asking. I'm just going through the standings, looking at this. Down your Red Crest line, Lefevre is on the cut line in 39th at 246.5. Matt Lee is 38th at 249.5. Brent Myers uh, 251.5. Down to 35th at Edwin at 259.5. Below the cut line, Bradley Roy, Shin Fukai, Mark Rose, Dylan Hayes, Elam, and Coulter are your uh, your bottom or your your 40th through 45th right now. Salzman is down in 48th, about 45 points out at this point. So, um, you know, a lot of moving, a lot of moving and shaking got to go on here to uh, to get some guys in at this point. So, 
that'll all come to a head you know, this next week in Mille Lacs, starting Saturday. So with how that goes. <clears throat> um, let's see. What else we got, David? What, what else have I missed? Anything else going on I should know about? Besides, I, I, I mentioned this and I've totally, I mean, you left me in charge last week, but I forgot to announce who won uh, the U Pickums for August. You I don't know if you want to give that. official recognition. You want you want to bring that on <laughs> with it? Why don't you? Not not the AC, just the fully loaded ones. We don't care about who won the Angler's Channel deal. So, <laughs> well, if the well, I don't know, is is it on the? Let me see. I got to refresh. Here. It is. So it is. Oh, is it? So, oh, it's not. Is it not? I thought I put it up there. It's up there. Oh, no, not for August. It's not. I thought it was. I thought I put it up there for August, but apparently I didn't. So, I sent it to you in text, didn't I, David? I don't think you sent me the winner, but <laughs> I think you you reminded me, and I was gonna go through it. And then, like I said, uh, you left me in charge, so uh, I, I goofed that one up. <laughs> no, no, it's it's yeah. Where did it go? Um, I had it. I thought back up through my list. I'm sorry, it was a crazy week last week. So, for lack of a better term, did I miss that? Yeah, there we go. Uh, da, 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 da. No, I didn't. I did not. I thought they were updated, but apparently, um, I had to go back and look. I'm sorry. I'll, we'll, we'll do it next week because I don't have it in front of me. So I apologize completely. It's been, um, I, I thought what's on the website was updated. That's what you told us last week. It was, but for some odd reason, it doesn't look like. That is correct. James Rice. James Rice is your winner. So, yeah, I just didn't put him in the uh, – I didn't put him in the – yeah, James Rice is your winner. I didn't put him okay. in the table for uh, – or on the list. So, James Rice is your winner on that. And, uh, KG, you won the um, – as usual. I mean, imagine that. You won the the AC. You pick them. So congratulations. What I didn't do was the um, the monthly winner. I forgot to add James to the monthly winner. So that's my fault, James. You're there now. And congratulations on your win. You'll be hearing from me soon if you haven't already. And, uh, yeah, it'll be good times. So uh, congratulations. September's going on right now. I'll clear the scores, and everybody will be – Back to square one. So if you don't have your picks in yet, get them in by midnight tonight, September the 7th, for this week's events. I read them off earlier, and uh, you will be in line to uh, to do that. So what else, David? What else am I missing? I think that's it because we already talked about the, the ICAST thing, and then I think that might be it that I can think of again. All right. KG, what else? What else have we missed? What's on your agenda, on your list of things that we missed? Uh, I don't. I don't know of anything that you've missed. Okay. All right. Um. Cool. That'll work. David, did you learn anything this week? Uh, I had a star crunch. You have a what? <laughs> I had one for a while. <laughs> That's you, you have a what? Star crunch. A star so, little Debbie stuff. Oh, 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 Star Crunch. Yes, 
it's been a while since I had one. I, I for some reason I had a craving for one. Like I had it, and it's been years since I've had some. But I was like, yeah. So that was the only thing I was like, yeah, I, I missed it. But I don't know. It's a bad thing for me though. But yeah, I had a star crunch. <laughs> that's how that's anything new. How'd you like it? Uh, yeah, it is what it is. I was tempted because I finally, I don't know, a few months ago, I think you talked about like Little Debbie had some flavored ice cream and I saw like the honey bun flavored one. And I was like, the other day, I was like, no, nah, I'm going to pass on this one. So, but yeah, other than that, no, nothing exciting. All right. Good deal. Good deal. KG, what did you learn this week? Well, you know, you guys, you guys know I've talked about the Haymaker hook here before, mm-hmm. right? Nope. Well, I finally had a chance to test it Saturday. And? And, uh, it's it's legit on the walleye. <laughs> I, I will no, no. That was that was yesterday. I, I I will tell you this: if if you if you like to flip with fluorocarbon, it's finessey enough to handle it. If you like to flip with braid, it's strong enough to handle that too. Oh wow! Okay, I like it. I like it. Well, good. Well, good. Well, I learned a lot last week. Too much to talk about on this podcast. We'll get to it at some point in time. But uh, apologize for uh, for last week's show. But thank you guys for filling in and doing what you had to do and um, doing all that. Looks like we may have to do it again next week. We'll have to wait and see. But uh, for that, if you have any questions or any comments on this week's show, please check us out. Chime in via the Exazone hotline brought to you by Trickstep at 901-493-0437. Would uh, love to hear your opinions, your thoughts. If there's somebody coming up that you want us to talk to, there's an angler you want us to interview, get to know a little more, no matter what they fish, uh, we would love to We would entertain any and all suggestions. Again, 901-493-0437. Make sure you get your you pick them picks in. Um, and then, uh, yeah, I think that's it. Anything else from you guys? Y'all good? Uh, 20 or fall or 2023 schedules. Shoot them my way. Dishong at anglerchannel.com. That's DX. X-I-O-N-G at anglerschannel.com. D-X-I-O-N-G at anglerschannel.com. Okay. And, and there's a lot of people that have not developed their 2023 schedules because I've been I've been scouring the <laughs> the internet trying to find them for myself. I'm trying to squeeze a few tournaments in between some other dates. It's getting hard to do. Yeah. Yeah. It is. So a lot, uh, lot going on for sure. So well, good. Well, guys, thanks again for hanging out with us this week. Please check us out on any of your favorite podcast app. Hey, we moved up 10 spots. We are now ranked 55th in the Wilderness and Outdoor Shows in Russia. So I'm not crazy about that, but, you know, they like us there, I guess, or at least enough for 55th. There can't be too many Wilderness and Outdoor Shows out there. According to our podcast, anyway, but we'll see. Don't 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 let their government skew your thoughts on their on their people. They got good people, just like everyone. They do. So we appreciate them listening. That's for sure. So, with that, uh, on behalf of our guest tonight, our buddy Mr. Scott Siller, your NPFL champ from this past week at Sandusky. For David, for Kenneth, I'm Chris Brown. Folks, have a great week and weekend. KG, don't take it personal, please. 
Thanks for listening to this week's Angler's Channel Insider Podcast. Brought to you by Under Armour Fish, Costa Sunglasses, Pro Charging Systems, X-Zone Lures, and Trickstep. Visit anglerschannel.com, your number one bass fishing tournament resource.